Hello and welcome, citizens of Dark Rose City. You have arrived at a slightly delayed episode 44 of Dark Rose Comics Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jerry E., and I'm joined by my co-host, Victor Young. If you are new to the show, this is a podcast where two nitty guys with themselves a nice hot cup of coffee, and then we sit down to break down, analyze, and discuss some of the new comic books coming to the local comic shop. The coffee we'll be brewing today is called Kenya Gaturiri, roasted by Kaito Coffee Roasters, and the comics we'll be discussing today are Batman number 63, Justice League number 16, Shazam number 2, Guardians of the Galaxy number 1, and Oliver number 1. If you like the show, please hit that subscribe button on the podcast service provider of your choice. We can be found on podcast services all around the world. So alongside we hit that subscribe button, let us know how we're doing by hitting up iTunes and leave us a review and a rating and make sure you tell everyone about this podcast. So before we get into comics and a coffee, which we really do need because it is a cold day out there. It's a cold day, my friend. <laughs> let's uh, let's catch up a little bit. How's your, how's your week been, Victor? My week's been good. Uh, just trying to endure this cold during the working days. Nice. Uh, but other than that, I think what we've been up to this past week, Jerry, is that uh, we did go and see the new Dragon Ball Super movie. Yes, sir. Broly is canon now. Broly is part of the main Dragon Ball universe, which is very exciting. There's uh, a lot of implications for what that could mean for the future of the Dragon Ball franchise. Yeah. Uh, But the overall movie was fantastic. Soundtrack was good. Uh, I am really enjoying this new animation style that they're going with. And, uh, of course, now Gogeta is also canon. Gogeta Bru. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's uh and it's scary to think because it's with Gogeta canon, it, it kinda pushes the power level way up there in terms of what can they do in the movie like in the series moving forward. Yeah, but it, but you could you could have said that about Vegito too. But it's could. not but it's not like they relied on because they don't because they don't like to fuse. They hate to fuse. That's why they never do it, right? It's only in yeah. situations like when Broly or like Zamas comes and, and they have no choice but to fuse. That's the only time, right? But of course, yeah. like the way that uh, Vegeta and Goku are as characters, like they'd rather just do it by themselves, <laughs> of course, right? <laughs> yeah, so, of course. Uh, you know, it was a really great movie. It was a fantastic turnout. Very diverse crowd, I would say that Dragon oh, yeah. Ball brings uh, it brings the world together. I believe. Oh, for sure, for sure. I think this is the first. Uh, I think this may be the first movie where they've uh, made it. Uh, they've made a, a Dragon Ball movie with the uh, international audiences in mind, mm-hmm. because it uh, like the international release has smashed box office records everywhere. Yeah, but in Japan, it's actually doing a. Fairly poorly. Really? Yeah. <laughs> hmm. It's not doing as well as they thought they would in Japan, but in worldwide, it's like smashing records. I, I guess in Japan, it's more so they just they just have so much anime. They have so many different varieties. Yeah. That it's it's hard to for it to crack anything. But for here, a lot of us is like nostalgia. Well, yeah, I think the you know the idea of nostalgia in in Western quote unquote cultures is uh I think it's it's much. It's much more important to us, I think. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I don't know Japanese culture at all. I don't never been to Japan, so <laughs> uh, I would. But based on my experience, I would say that yeah, for sure, the nostalgia factor is is a big reason as to why it's such a smashing hit here in in, in North America. 
<laughs> just out of nowhere. No, uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree with you though. Um, but aside from nostalgia, though, it is. It was a fantastic oh, be- movie. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, it's beautiful. very straightforward movie. Very straightforward plot, but the just like the choreography, the 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 animation, the, yeah. the hype, the soundtrack, all everything was so. We, good. Yeah, we can't uh, we can't spoil anything, of course. But uh, <laughs> if you haven't had a chance to see it, I would I would definitely say. Go, yeah, go see sure. it if if that's your thing. Yeah. If not, then yeah, whatever, just ignore us. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're at all a Dragon Ball fan, definitely go check it out. Um, it might be still playing in the theaters around you. So, yeah, uh, so. of course, I think in the states it was a while ago though. Uh, so it'll be in Canadian theaters. I mean, I think it actually came out. Uh, <clears throat> it actually came out in the states. Yeah, like uh, I think around the same time it actually came out in uh, Japan. Yeah, I think so. I think for some reason we had to wait here a little longer in Canada. Um, Terrors. I think though in the US, I think they actually got the the Japanese version with subtitles. Oh, that would have been great. Yeah, as opposed to yeah. us where we got the the dubbed version, mm-hmm. right? Which you know, I mean, that's what I grew up on, right? I grew up on Sean Shamel, Chris Abbott, uh, and all those guys that that do the voices, right? But you know, as of recently, I've watched the entire super series in, in Japanese, so that's that's kind of the voice that I've gotten used to now. Yeah. Yeah, um, I will say though, Shemmel did a great job. Shemmel did I, an, ex- I think uh, an amazing yeah. job. Him, yeah, him and Sabbath did yeah, a great job. They both did it. Whoever, whoever voiced Broly, both on the English oh, and yeah. the Japanese side, uh, must have blown their vocal cords. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> just the amount of yelling that Broly just does. He does. I think he says like five words the whole movie, <laughs> but just a, a, an excessive amount of yelling. Do not touch the sweater. <laughs> and everything else is yelling. <laughs> yeah. But you know, be- before this becomes the Dragon Ball podcast. Again, if you haven't seen it, go see it. But before this becomes the Dragon Ball podcast, I believe that we have other things on our agenda right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like comics. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, you know, whatever it's comics. comics. Yeah. It's, only, okay. it's only called Dark Rose Comics. Yeah, it's only, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, let's go do both of those things. <laughs> Let's go brew coffee. We'll come back. Talk comics. Okay. <laughs> Why is that? Hey, listen. Don't judge me. Okay, just okay. All right? It's just okay. okay. <laughs> and we're at the comic segment. And what we do in this segment is we take some of the newest book to hit the local comic shop. And we break them down. We talk about them. We discuss about them. And we talk amongst ourselves. And we hope you find our conversation engaging. And remember, if you want to be a part of the conversation, just send us an email, contact our darkrosecomics.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter, at darkrosecomics. Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, before we get started, though, Victor, why don't you tell us a little bit about the coffee we'll be having. The coffee. For this, this week. Oh. Kaito Coffee Roasters. Hudson, Quebec. I've never heard of that. Uh... <laughs> Where is that in Quebec? Hudson. Okay, but where? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I was never really good at geography. Anyways, I believe that this is actually the, the first coffee that we have from them. Yeah, I think so. Uh, which well, is... I, I think I've heard of Kaido. Have you? I think. I think we've had Kaido in one of the weeks, but I can't remember. Well, Kaido, you gotta you got to throw more of your stuff in there. Just so we can enjoy this... Uh, more of your great roast because this one actually is a great roast. Uh, this one is uh, Kenya Gaturidi from the country of uh, Kenya in the region of Nairi. Um, 
and it's recently roasted, so this is fresh. Okay. This is very fresh, and it, and so far it's it's very tasty, very tasty. I'm getting a uh, I'm getting a bit of a, a nutty taste, but we'll we'll go into more uh, later yeah. on in the segment. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit of that too, but there's something else. But like I I can't really pinpoint it. My sentiments so. are the same. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> All right. So before we start talking comics, quick spoiler alert, because of the way we're going to be talking about some of these comic books, we're going to have to get into spoiler territory when it comes to plot and stuff like that, uh, or else we won't really be able to talk about much. So be warned, there are going to be spoilers ahead. So if you haven't already read these books, hit up your local comic shop, pick up these books, crack them open, read them, put them back in the bag, and then come and listen. Uh, come and listen to the episode. All right. So or if you don't care, just listen. One of the two. Oh, a hey, one of the two. One Some people two. don't care for spoilers. Some people just like to. A lot of people don't care for spoilers. You know, that's why. That's why <laughs> wikis exist. You know. Exactly. Yeah. To spoil people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first thing, first book, Batman number sixty-three. It's written by Tom King with art by Mikael Hanin, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by Clayton Cowles. So um, our suspicions are correct that <laughs> Batman is. Uh, trapped somewhere yeah well according to Constantine we still don't actually know but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so taken out of literal context take it out of literal context um, yeah Batman is stuck physically somewhere but what's what's taking that a step back again though is the fact that John Constantine re- isn't really there yeah so the the whole idea is that this whole thing is another machination of Bruce Wayne's right. head. So really it could just His be whole imagination. could just be wrong. It could just be wrong. It's it could be just him processing what he believes to be what's going on supernatural with him. that's happening around him. Yeah. Because it could be just things that he doesn't know how to deal with. And he's trying to find a logical way around it. And that's typically how Batman deals with things is he tries to find a logical in everything. Yeah. Um you know, and in this particular case, he's trying to grasp onto the idea that maybe there's something out there doing this to him, so that he's f- seeing these things, or feeling this way, and stuff like that. As opposed to just simply feeling that way. Exactly. Yeah. Which is which is sad because, like, it's for for Batman even now, and and for Bruce Wayne, it to to him, it it's it's still not okay to feel the way that he does. So he tries to find the logic in everything that's happening instead of just instead of it being just okay to feel that way. Mm-hmm. But again, we don't know, still really don't have any sort of confirmation about what's going on. Because even though Constantine says in the comic, hey, like you're being strapped down somewhere in some location, they're feeding you scarecrow's gas. But he ended up not even being like really there either. So yeah. a lot of what he said throughout this issue could really just be hearsay I suppose right what's going on hmm he's only out there for a second no I'm, oh. I'm reading that panel where he's yeah, uh, you gotta be concerned I was like oh my, oh my gosh <laughs> like we gotta gotta get this guy to a hospital or something <laughs> um no I'm um it, it's it's him talking about the idea that Batman will go mad you know, and uh, and that he's alone, and that this is just another dream becoming a nightmare. Yeah, right. Um, and I think, and I think it's one of those situations where you, 
Batman as a character has to start looking at situations thinking that it will come to a positive fruition. Yeah. Right? Because uh, I think a lot of times he, he looks at sort of the the worst case scenario and that's what makes him the best at what he does. Yeah. Is he, he, he cracks down the worst case scenario and he's always prepared for everything. Mm-hmm. Right? So throughout the book you have Batman you know after he gets married and stuff like that, he he's playing the situation differently this time around. Yeah. Right? He gets married and then, you know, they, they live a happy life and blah blah blah. And he's constantly reminded though by by John Constantine that it, it's not going to last. It's not gonna end well. It's not going to end well and yeah. that she is going to die. Yeah. And she's going to uh die in your arms and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Right. So I I think I think as much as as much as Batman is upset and sad about yeah. the situation, yeah. this is also helping him come to terms that the decision may not be a bad idea. Yeah. Right? That the decision um that they will that it, maybe they go their separate ways and that what he fears won't come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Right? So whether or not it's a dream or a nightmare is something that he has to accept. Yeah. So I think this arc is some is more of his internal struggle to figure out what like what what that situation truly means, what that uh what that resolution truly meant for the both of them. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what this arc is trying to sort of um trying to explore. John Constantine um appears in some very interesting moments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's this... I'm just re- uh, remembering this one particular panel where Bats is about to get dirty with the cat and in the shower. And he's oh, yeah. just sitting on the toilet. <laughs> he's like, I don't see how any of this is your business. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was just funny. He just he just came at the the best of times, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I I agree with you in in the sense that um, it's it's just really sad to see this because he he knows what the outcome of this is going to be. He he in every panel he knows he it, it's when you really think about it, uh, Constantine is sort of he's like that. Uh, a version of his consciousness that's just there, mm-hmm. right? And and he knows exactly how everything is going to go down. Mm-hmm. But a part of him wants everything to work out so well in these dreams that he's that he's sort of denying and hoping that things don't turn out that way. And then of course it it, it turns out that way, and and it's a very I think it's a heartbreaking moment for for Batman fans, even even in this panel where. Where he punches out Constantine, it's very much, uh, uh, I guess, synonymous with him fighting himself, mm-hmm. with with like his emotions versus his logic, right? Is is sort of the battle that's going on here, and it's um, it's very sad. Yeah, sad bats, sad bats. <laughs> I. D- I will say this. I will say this. The way that, the way that Tom writes this, 
you have to really dig through the layers to get at what he's trying to say. Yeah. And because we're only getting small little layers of yeah. this whole nightmare arc, yeah. we don't know what's real and what's not. And we, we kind of have to take... And we just sort of take it as it is. Yeah, we kind of have to take the the last couple of issues and then I'm assuming the next couple of issues and sort of read them as one thing. Yeah. Because I'm assuming you can take like those number of issues and read them as one continuous sequence. Mm-hmm. Right? Because, yeah, it's so part of the yeah, part of an arc, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's only because when you really think about it for the from the from the previous two issues uh, from when this when this ends, uh, Batman is technically in the same place. <laughs> so yeah. we really don't know, <laughs> really don't know what's going on with him, right? So uh, yeah, you kind of kind of have to read these the previous uh, number of issues and the next couple of issues to really um, sort of get an understanding of of all the layers and 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 their inner workings, right? Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, it's it's one of those I think. We really have to wait and see how the arc plays out because I'm yeah. curious to see how much of this is that inner battle and how much of it is it actually real. Because you have John Constantine saying things like, you know, why did the jail let Bruce Wayne kill all those people? Why did it take you so long to figure this stuff out in the meat locker? Yeah. If that's him, if that's his inner monologue, if that's his inner conflict, then why did he have to ask himself that? Because those, because then we're talking about events that didn't happen, right? Yeah. So if we're talking about events that happened, then how much is is this just him going through life, and then not being not being good at what he do what he does anymore? Good at what he do. What good at what he does? <laughs> good at what he does. <laughs> good at what he does. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, it's in, it's interesting to see this this issue though. Pretty much. I guess cements the fact that he's dreaming. Yeah, because it's talking about a reality that didn't happen. I mean, it was pretty clear um, in the in the pig issue. It's hard to tell though, because what if it's his son really messing with him, or his son really trying to drive a message through him? I don't know, man. You know, I don't know. So, well, this pretty much confirms it anyway. So, yeah. So, <laughs> all right. So, I guess we'll we'll wait until the. The uh, the resolution of the arc. Nightmares part four. Nightmares part four. I don't know how much more sad bats I can take. Truthfully, sad bats is like, really sad. <laughs> I I, re- I enjoy his writing style. I really enjoy where he's going with that dynamic. But this is just like sad sad bats, and like I don't know how much more. This is like Batman abuse like, right now. And <laughs> <laughs> that's a new miniseries, Batman abuse. <laughs> All right, so let's go on to book number two. And that's Justice League number 16 is written by Scott Snyder and James Tiny IV with art by Jim Chung and Stefan Segovia on pencils, Jim Chung, Morales, and Segovia on inks, colors by Tomomori and Will Quintana, and letters by Tom Napolitano. Our boy Tom. Lettering. (laughs) I was just lettering everything. Uh, We finally get some uh, background information on uh, Perpetua. Yep, which is really nice. We we're, we now have basically more or less the full story of her, of and of what of what she is and and, and and what she does. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, we really don't know who she is as of yet. Of course, she hasn't really. Well, she hasn't spoken a single word of dialogue. 
Yeah. We haven't really seen like an actual face, right? So, uh, but it's nice to finally get some sort of background information um, as to what we want to look forward to in terms of Perpetua. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, uh, this to me felt like a uh, tying up some loose ends sort of issues. Yeah. Sort of issue, right? Uh, we, we get some revelations about John John's. Um, which uh, ends up turning out to be uh, he was like some sort of child slave lab test thing. Yeah, some <laughs> sort of experiment, I guess. Yeah, um, part of an experiment, I guess. And uh, the uh, the I oh the elder Martian mm-hmm. actually goes into um some good uh, information as to why what the connection is between Martians and humans are mm-hmm. right um, and, she, and again that's, it's it's actually very uh, very creative writing on their part uh, but yeah other than that like I I mean Starman comes <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's it's not things that I there's nothing in here I wasn't expecting to happen. Let's let let's put it that way. It's right? it was tied up fairly neatly. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it, like they they. This was obviously um, uh, a setting in which they used to as a setup, right? Like right. There, there was actually no real significance for them being here, other than to set up um, future issues moving forward in terms of perpetua yeah. right and to explain uh john john's history and um what uh kendra saunders uh wings really meant right uh which to me is just more and more power-ups well I mean, like she's just constantly taking power-up pills this is justice league man and she's just leveling up and her wings just keep leveling up but everyone's leveling up here like everyone levels up who, who else levels up here um well i guess John John's John John's because with, he got, he got the, extra the knowledge. knowledge. Yeah. Uh, John Stewart got a mental power up because now he's just he's like I'm done with everything. Like that's not a power up. This is hey man, it's he's removed the roadblock. If you ask me, that's a power <laughs> up. Um, Batman and Superman show up. <laughs> yeah, like it's nothing really crazy happened in this issue mm-hmm. right like it's just everything was tied up in a nice little package and and it's basically on to the next one yeah right like that's basically what this issue was um i'm kind of curious as to how kendra saunders and shire are going to continue to coexist that's a big question for me. Considering they were essentially... They're essentially the same person. Yeah, they were one being spliced into two. Yeah. Um, but they actually explained that really well, too. Yeah. Um, again, it's all tied up in a neat <laughs> all, little package. All tied up nicely, yeah. And that's the thing. With this issue, I think it, it gives us enough information about what, we're, what we need to sort of expect moving forward yeah. in terms of what the threat is with Perpetua and stuff like that. Yeah. It talks about the the idea that Martians and humans were at at first one being. Yeah. Right? And that they were spliced up uh spliced up, you know, to to create what we come to understand now. 
Yes. Right. And that we're not, and that we're constantly chasing new knowledge or new ex- explorations and stuff like that mm-hmm. in a sense, because we've always felt incomplete. Yeah. So they explain it in that sense where they, they talk about why it is that we're cha- we're always chasing that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it it's for me, I think the revelation is, is interesting. I think, but it doesn't change anything. It doesn't change. And I don't anything. think they will continue to use that revelation moving forward either. You don't think so? I don't think so. I uh, think so. I, I think they're gonna they're gonna go chase it hard, uh, and then it's gonna I be mean, human Martians. I mean, maybe I just don't see a point as to why they would do that, though. Maybe in the future, for like a future like arc, I could maybe see that happening. Oh yeah, yeah. The way the way it, Justice League's been written so far, they usually skip arcs. Yeah. To to cover different different aspects. Yeah. So I don't expect them to cover it right away. Yeah. Kind of like what they didn't do with Perpetua. Yeah. But. Like there's there's probably going to be some more attention being paid to the Legion of Doom now. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, they're definitely going to switch back to the Legion of Doom within the next two issues, I believe. Yeah. Um, but what really, I think what really sh- uh, shone uh, this issue for me was the dialogue. I think the dialogue was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Uh, this one with uh, Shaira. I was just trying to do the what was right. It was selfish too. I know that, but I was trying to help my people. And then John Stewart. Yeah, well, you're still under arrest. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, then, John had like no chill in this issue. And then John Stewart had no chill. And then that, um, and then this dialogue here between Batman and Wonder Woman. <laughs> I, this was this was a very uh, this was a very Jerry thing. I read it and I was just like, this was this is something that Jerry would say immediately. <laughs> he could hear you, John, all the way across the universe. He has the power of the totality inside him, burning bright as a star. Hence the name. Bruce, <laughs> like Bruce, just stop. Hence <laughs> the name. I know that that part cracked me up. I love yeah, it. I was like, that's such a Jerry joke right there. This <laughs> is Jerry to a T. But yeah, I, I think I, I think that dialogue was what really uh, shone bright as a star for me here. <laughs> it's it's yeah. I, I think it's it's nice that Starman's finally getting a chance to shine but uh i don't know like for okay for me the whole idea of perpetual was already interesting enough yeah and i think but then having her be this thing where she was just she just had this arm like warrior army yeah that that part doesn't intrigue me Mm -hmm. right what intrigues me is her Abilities above what above human comprehension, mm-hmm. right? Splicing a splicing a race into two independent independent races to create what we know now is interesting, but it isn't beyond our imagination, mm-hmm. right? Now, obviously, you know we, we're still in the confines of the source wall, and they haven't r- truly broken out of it, right? They try to fix it, but they haven't truly explored what's beyond it, mm-hmm. but. If if that is the revelation that we end up with, and that is the idea that um, that there's just these two races that combine to become a warrior race, you know, that a super massive race, then that that part sort of cheapens Perpetua's revelation. To yeah. Me. Because I, I feel like Perpetua needs to be even beyond that conceptually. It she needs to be beyond that. Mm-hmm. You know. So for me, that doesn't do much, but I am interested to see where they're going with it. Imagine they did that revelation just so they could bring an enemy 
and then the only way to beat him is for Martian Manhunter and Batman to do the fusion dance. <laughs> <laughs> and then they become the ultimate being. <laughs> <laughs> now, Martian Manhunter should fuse with Superman. The Superman's not human. I, I guess so. I guess <laughs> you so. need a human. That's true. He's Kryptonian. It's got to be bats. It's got to be bats. <laughs> yep, literally the only human. <laughs> yeah, Mar- well, no, John Stewart, but like, you know. That doesn't count. But he's a Green Lantern. Yeah, he's going to have to remain a Green Lantern. Also, Perpetua's symbol, does that not oddly look like a lantern symbol? It does. Do you think that maybe something lantern related may come from that mm-hmm. do you think uh john stewart's new power will look like that i th- i think so there has been a lot of hints throughout this yeah. run yeah that it is very lantern related yeah it has to do with energies um it talks about the seven energies of life and stuff like that it talks about a lot of that stuff where it's beyond sort of what these like superheroes are capable of so and, yeah. and i think exploring different emotional spectrums outside of the existing emotional spectrum yeah that's kind of where this run is heading to so yeah. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if perpetua is sort of at the epicenter of a, a separate emotional spectrum that we're not aware of mm-hmm. right and, then, and that's his that's his little power up i would be uh i'm kind of wanting that for john stewart right now <laughs> if perpetua is a bad guy Let's yeah. say not so much a bad guy, just with her own purpose, and then she uses the the power of the light and converts John Stewart again, yeah, to join her army. Yeah, that'd be cool. I think I think I think uh, a heel turn for John Stewart would be cool. But he already heel turned once already. Now it's a heel turn twice. Yeah, but he's no Shawn Michaels, man. He can't <laughs> uh, can't do that. I think I think actually Perpetual is going to be a, a force of good. Uh, that the, that's the way it's because every time they because they're making her out to be like this sort of destructive force, mm-hmm. but every time they do that, it, it, it's sort of like the opposite. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah. I think she's actually going to be like a force for good, and then um, then they're really going to take down the Legion of Doom. Or the the Batman who laughs. See, I don't want the Legion of Doom to be this be all end all bad guys. I actually here's here's what I'm hoping, yeah. and this is me just projecting onto Justice League. Okay, project that stuff. Here's bro. what <laughs> here's what I'm hoping is that Perpetua is just is this force of nature. Okay, and these forces outside of the Source Wall are in conflict. Okay. And these guys are now just spectating that. And they're a part of that ride. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing they can do to stop what is going to e- eventually come to Earth. And which is this like wor- battle. And they have to work together. And they have to work together. And they have to work together with the Legion of Doom. I, I still think... Because they talk very much about the thin line between justice and doom. Yeah. Right? About crossing the different paths. I think whether you're going towards justice or doom. I think Batman so what if they work is together? Gonna come back, bro. I think he's gonna come back somehow. Because I, it t- you, that button or that little thing that Luther has has both justice and doom on it. Yeah. Right? So what if to truly master that power requires both justice and doom? What if the Batman who laughs is the one that brings all the bad guys from the source wall over? 
I wouldn't even be surprised. He's like, this he's, is my, he's evil like that. He's like, this is my plan. <laughs> <laughs> you have all these like colossal things just coming to Earth. <laughs> it's colossal yeah, I, man. I, I see that happening. I definitely see that happening. I think that's uh, the Batman who laughs ultimate plan. Mm-hmm. I think that's his agenda. Well, it makes sense. It makes sense. He's he's evil like that. He's like beyond evil, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's he's just chaos. <laughs> he, he's just the embodiment of chaos. <laughs> he, he doesn't he doesn't have any care in the world. Zero. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, let's let's wrap up our Justice League talk and let's move on to book number three, and that's Shazam number two, written by Jeff Johns with art by Marco Santucci. Colors by Mike Atie and letters by Rob Lee. I was really hoping that they would answer the question of who Billy Batson's dad is in this issue. They don't answer it. They don't answer it. And I was actually really disappointed about that. But the rest of the issue was really good. They uh, they gave him a page. Uh, less, yeah, uh, like two panels. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, not even a page. One panel. They gave him one panel. They gave him yeah, like one the or first two panel. panel. Yeah. Yeah, and he's just sitting on a couch. <laughs> yeah, like I, that's what intrigued me. That's what really intrigued me, and it's it's crazy because they they immediately throw these guys into the magic land. Yeah, and it's almost like the stuff that's happening outside doesn't matter mm-hmm. because I can see the magic land stuff lasting for quite a few issues, right? Yeah. So. How was the Billy Batson thing go and his dad thing going to get resolved? Doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, it it definitely seems like uh, uh, it won't happen for like five issues. <laughs> I'm gonna say five issues. Um, but other than that, like it's it was a good issue. There's it it's it's well written. It's well drawn. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wish that uh, things would happen just a little quicker. Yeah, just a little quicker. Just because the stuff that's happening right now, I don't really care about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I don't care that they're in Funland. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I know that they're setting up for this this new villain, this new bookworm <laughs> villain, yeah, <the> <laughs> which is actually pretty funny. <laughs> um. And uh, they're they're setting up this the the backstory for the uh, the seventh champion um, of Solomon. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's that's to me that's interesting. Uh, I want to know more about this new kid. I want to know how he's going to translate into the series moving forward. Is he going to become a new member of the adoptive family? Um, is he going to be difficult just because he's been the king kid for so long? Right. It seems like he's been there for a while. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of these kids have been there for a long time. They just don't age in this fun land. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, I'm more interested in him more so than anything else. Yeah. Because he obviously has um, implications for the series moving forward. Yeah. Obviously, because there's supposed to be seven champions and he's the seventh champion. Yeah. So I want to see how that pans out, but everything else I really I just don't really care about. Yeah. Um, up until that last reveal. Up until the last yeah, reveal. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the bookworm thing was kind of cool, but I thought that there would be like, like a cooler villain. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he might he might turn out to be he she might turn out to be 
like a really cool villain. I don't know anything about Bookworm. Um, but it seems like he's able to sort of tap into or use whoever whoever as a vessel, it seems, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll just have to see how that pans out. Yeah, a lot of these kids look like they've been there for a long time. Like, this kid looks like he's been here since, like, the early 1800s. <laughs> when you look at, like, how some of the children are dressed, yeah. like, it's very telling of, of the time period that they came from. This kid looks like he's been here since the 40s. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, the, the way that they look. They're, they're sort of from all the different eras. Yeah, I'm just one, I just want to know, like, number one, how these kids got here. Maybe there's a portal elsewhere other than in in the in the subway station, because there's no way that all of these kids came to the subway station. Yeah, there's a lot of missing kids in one area. <laughs> you you would think that someone would be suspicious about that at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like really, just the uh, the uh, the king kid uh, reveal is is really what what I'm after this issue. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it, I think it's. I I wonder if they're going to meet someone like that in every one of those um, every one of those magic lands. I, I doubt it because he's the final missing. He's the final missing. Well, so he claims. We really don't so know he yet, claims. right? Yeah. Um, or maybe maybe yeah, or maybe the theory could be that um, the each of there's uh like a different kid in each room, and they all claiming to be the seven champion. Yeah, and it's up to them to discern like. Who or to, the real or and, and to decide who is the real seventh champion. Yeah, because I mean, looking at this kid, I wouldn't want him to be the seventh champion. It looks like a brat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Kind of well, looks like an a hole, to be honest. Well, <laughs> his, his name's King Kid. Yeah. So looks like that a, tells you more than enough. Kind of looks like a Black Adam in the making, if you ask me. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's. I, I think what's going to be interesting going forward is. If this is kind of the approach, like if they don't spend an entire arc in this land, yeah, and then they sort of bounce between the different lands, yeah, yeah, that'll be intriguing mm-hmm. because if now mm-hmm. they're they're really looking for the true seventh champion, yeah, then that will be intriguing to see because you you kind of wonder what that will unlock in terms of the power of Shazam yeah. as well, and that's a, and that's and that's what Jeff Johns does. He just just changes the lore of every character that he writes right and mm-hmm. and and it's it it, it breathes like a, a very new new elements of life into every character that he does that to yeah right? but the way he does it seems natural yeah the way he does it it's like oh like it only makes sense that this like, is a- i wonder why no one explored that before yeah right so yeah. it's i i think it'll be really fun Moving forward for this book, mm-hmm. um, I wonder if the uh, if the artist change is going to be permanent. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a. Uh, I mean, or if it's like a rotating crop of artists. I, I feel like it would make sense for this particular story for it to rotate, just because it's not like a huge title, like a huge, huge, huge title, right? Where. You've gotta, you know, you gotta have that consistent artist on there. I feel like, I feel like the story well, yeah. itself can carry a lot of the weight of the series, and then um, different artists can breathe like a different sort of life to each issue, right? Well, the different artists, I think, what will really work for this, uh, 
because it's like a monthly title it's not yeah. uh, they're not really crunched on time I guess yeah I mean all comics are crunched on time but yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. one of those double shipping type titles uh, what will be really intriguing is if every time they visit a different land it's a different artist that would be cool if they visit a different magic land it's a different artist then that I think will make it work um, but I don't know I mean this I like this artist this artist if, cool. uh, so, if they visited one land and it was all drawn in like manga style knock my socks off right there that would be pretty cool like bring like a manga artist into the mix you mean like um, like an actual manga artist like last issue uh, even more manga than that I'm talking like Naruto bleach style like manga. Toriyama draws yeah like well, Shazam well <laughs> It'd be very expensive to have Toriyama yeah. draw Shazam. <laughs> that would take off fully take up like half of DC's annual annual like grossing income to like to like hire Toriyama for one issue. That guy is he's busy right now because they've got the new uh, Dragon Ball Super uh, yeah. series that they've just confirmed. Right? I so. actually didn't watch the uh, confirmation thing. Uh, I know there's some some videos out there. Yeah, but I haven't seen it. So yeah, but that information aside, like. Uh, yeah, it'd be really like somebody like uh, that drew bleach like Kubo Tite or or, or um, Yuya Takahashi, like guys like that, right? Like that are really like um, like renowned manga artists. I feel like would be uh, would be really cool to see, but far fetched. I don't see that happening <laughs> at yeah. all. But it'd be cool. I feel like what we got last issue was really good. That, it was that, good. That yeah, that was that, story. Was, that was amazing. Yeah, the backup story. I yeah. think in that style will be really interesting. But that'll be really if fun. If they could do it like more manga, just just really just satisfy those manga fans. I feel. And like. then we'll have colored manga. Stop this! <laughs> <laughs> you're just you're rousing my imagination. That's like the too one. Much. That's like the one thing. Like I I true I really enjoy certain mangas and I and I like how they do their inking. Yeah. Um, the way they do their shadowing is really well done. Yeah. But then it's just sometimes I just really miss that color. But it's it's because it's it's consistently a weekly issue that they can't do that. Yeah. Right. Like yeah, it's yeah. it's they're they're on so, like those guys are on such a huge time crunch. Like you think these guys are on a time crunch? <laughs> over there, it's insane, right? Like because over there in Japan like drawing manga and having your your series published is, is 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 it's it's like a bare knuckle brawl over there right like it's a huge business so for them to be able to to do colored issues like this every week it's impossible it would cost way too much money yeah right and quite frankly i i think manga readers don't really care right like having it colorized like having um issues that are colored is a very rare treat for for manga readers in japan mm-hmm. right so that's what they have animes for yeah but animes are yeah. also like 50 issues behind <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, so um so for them to do that would it, it, it's not it's it's unlikely mm-hmm. right and i feel like that's that to me that's why comics have a different kind of appeal mm-hmm. right the way they write their stories is different. Um, their tropes are different. Uh, the narr- the narration style is different. Even the way they do dialogue is like this. The stuff that we, the dialogue that we have in Justice League, you'll never see that kind of dialogue in manga. Right? Yeah. Like they'll they'll have their smart quips, right? But it's very much related to Japanese culture, in mm-hmm. which you know we don't we wouldn't really get it, right? Uh, and of course the, uh, of course the colors, the biggest 
biggest difference. Yeah, and, and I like seeing that that vibrancy in in um, in comics. Mm-hmm. Um, what were we talking about? Uh, <laughs> King Kid, King Kid, right? <laughs> King Kid. Uh, but yeah, that would be cool. No, if, we're talking about like rotating artists. Yeah, like and stuff it'd be like cool. That. If, yeah, that would be this. I think this arc will be a good. A good, sort of way to introduce rotating artists, and, but and and and, who knows? and you do it that way, it, it makes sense to do it that way. Yeah. You know, you maybe you're expecting to see something different in, in every world, right? So, yeah. um, I know, yeah, that would be um, that'd be really cool to see a rotating artist that way. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's go ahead and wrap up talk on Shazam, and let's go to our next book, which is a brand new number one. Uh, it's Guardians of the Galaxy number one. It's written by Donny Cates. With art by Jeff Shaw, colors by Marty Garcia, and letters by Corey Pettit. This was a cool issue. Yeah, I very really cool. enjoyed Donny Cates. You, you did it again, man. All the time. Like it's, this was yeah. so well written, and I like how he he references Venom in the first page. I'm not sure if you if you uh, if you caught that reference. On the first page. Yeah, the stars run red across the black as ancient gods stir from their slumbers. He's referencing Null. I hope that's the reference anyway. Okay, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or it could just be this picture of Galactus over here. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it makes sense. Yeah, I, I, mean, I feel like he's referencing his own work there. But, but man, this story just... So many things are going on. and But... But it all, it all concludes very well in this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really setting up um, this new, this new sort of vessel for Thanos to be obviously the next big villain. Yeah, right. I mean, they have the Black Order there. Um, <laughs> they have a really uh, disheveled, kind of a mess. Peter Quill with the this now sort of punkish Groot <laughs> which is really cool and then of course the the final reveal of the new Guardians of the Galaxy yeah that team looks which wicked. was revealed in a very movie cinematic way yeah yeah I thought that was pretty cool this uh yeah this new this new Guardians of the Galaxy really really cool I'm really interested in seeing um uh how this new team is is gonna pan out Mm-hmm. Um, and what it means for the Guardians moving forward. I mean, obviously, the the Guardians historically have always had sort of a rotating roster. Um, I mean, they don't. It doesn't rotate super often, but it rotates often enough, right? Yeah, but it's usually to uh to like one member. Yeah, one members, or two members, right? But now it's yeah. like a whole, like basically the whole team almost, right? Yeah. Um, but I like this new team. Like, it looks like there's gonna be. A lot of that, uh, like Guardians of the Galaxy dialogue that that you're so used to, yeah. And I feel I see that happening with uh, with this new team that's 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 been revealed. It's a uh, it's an interesting team for sure, and I think it does it will take a little bit of getting used to because not all of these characters are not all these characters are characters that you would expect. Yeah, they're also to... not all of them are like super well known. Yeah. Like, like, uh, I mean, they're known, but not like well known. Yeah, but that that was like the same idea with Guardians too. Like, they were really just sort of known within their own little confines. Yeah, but it's not, 
it's not something that catches like mainstream attention or anything yeah like uh like our buddy bill over here sort of like a beta ray bill yeah yeah people are just gonna think that beta ray bill is just like a knockoff thor (laughs) (laughs) yeah and this if you don't uh, know his history of course right and this cosmic ghost writer (laughs) yeah who's Frank Frank Castle Castle. (laughs) yeah and and it's just it's I think it's it'll create some really interesting dynamics and it'll give him a a good chance to sort of give Donnie a good chance to build a team from the ground up again and it could be sort of one of those like classics in the making type of thing if they can somehow make this team work yeah uh, I mean, I already have the feeling that that this team is going to work out really well. Again, I think it's a cast that uh, is really capable of taking jabs at each other. Yeah, and and create that fun dialogue we're we're so used to with Guardians. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm 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 very excited. I'm also very interested in seeing who's truly going to become the next vessel of Thanos. I don't think anybody is. Or they, do you think they're going to revive him? Yeah. I think Thanos set it to, to, be, to be a very Thanos thing to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said it so that the idea of his legacy will move on, will, will carry on. Right. And he said it so that he could have the last laugh. Because everyone knows, it's like, you have to stop Thanos if you had given the opportunity. So yeah. Thanos used that sort of in a way to stir up the hero saying, you know, I'm still going to get the last laugh even in my death. Mm-hmm. Because what what really, for me, gave it away was at the end, Hela is trying to bring Thanos back. Yeah. Right? And what what seems to me is Thanos at the end made peace with it and wanted to be with death. Mm-hmm. And now Thanos can be with death. And which is why I don't think... Which is uh, a callback to um, the original um, um, Infinity War comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Which was... Yeah, it was everything he wanted to do was yeah. to just, you know, please death, mm-hmm. right? So now he finally gets a chance to be with death. And I I don't think... I don't think he'd want to come back. Imagine he comes back and says, Oh, I was having such a good time. Like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> so, yeah. So it's interesting that they're bringing Hela into the story right now. They're they're using Hela in a way to... Like, they're, they're going to be starting this war between the goddess of death and death herself. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that's a really interesting setup. And, you know, ultimately, for Thanos, I think he's he's at a point now where he he's okay with moving on yeah right but he's still got to get that last laugh in there get that little last little thing in there right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so he he sends out that that recording of him saying like there's a vessel out there and stuff like that but truthfully i don't think there's a vessel out there yeah I, I because mean, it, he's too prideful to move himself onto a different vessel mm-hmm. because he's i think he's proud he he's too proud of his origin as a titan to want to put himself into a vessel of another body, but also when you when you look when you look at the lineup of the people that could put that they've narrowed down to potentially um, 
harbor or to be the vessel for Thanos. Yeah. I'm not super impressed by this list. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not convinced at all. Like, it's not like, yeah, it's, there's no way Thanos would be okay with being in the body of Juggernaut. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or Nick Fury. <laughs> yeah. Like, or <laughs> or Miss Marvel or Daredevil because then he just can't see. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> it like, like, Hulk, maybe. I could, like, maybe the Hulk. Yeah. Like, but Tony Stark, like, come on. Luke Cage, get out of here. <laughs> yeah like a lot of those guys just don't make sense so like that's why i think i i feel like what he said in that little clip yeah is also even a ploy mm-hmm. by someone else to try mm-hmm. to take people out mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. i don't think there's a vessel out there no uh, no and now that, now that you've put it in sort of that context yeah a lot of what you just said made a lot of sense um but this team though man i, I just can't I just can't get over how it's an impressive team. How well they 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 executed that that final sort of uh, reveal there. Yeah, they executed that with a oh, um, well then yeah, they're part of my crew now. Yeah, this is yeah, this is my new team now. (laughs) (laughs) It's like wait, no, no, that's such a Peter Quill thing, right? It's such a Peter Quill thing. I ain't signing up to be a member of the damn. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. (laughs) So cinematic. So cinematic. It was yeah, it was done in a very cinematic way. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and then in a very epilogue way Hella yeah. the Hella reveal I'm uh, very interested in seeing um, how this new team pans out for sure for sure uh, I mean yeah and the, and the epilogue thing too just <laughs> <laughs> but post credit scene <laughs> yeah the post credit that looked really post credit yeah. yeah for sure um, but yeah what, what I want to know is um, because I, I know he died in the recent Infinity War comic, Infinity Wars comic. Yeah. I didn't actually read that series. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to go back and try to read that series now. Because I want to know sort of how that... Like, I didn't think that was going to pan exactly to this. Like, directly. Yeah. So I had to go back and read that series. Try to figure out what happened. I think I only read the first issue mm-hmm. of that series. So. Yep. Yep. Well, uh... <laughs> I don't know. I'm just oh, sorry. I'm reading. I know. I'm like reading. <laughs> I, know, I see you. And I I'm see you reading over there. I'm just so like, God, just so masterful the way it was executed. Yeah, yeah. the art is fantastic. You know, um, just to say something about the art, uh, very dynamic, and I think the little the little expressions all all are there. Yeah, it it creates a really fun sort of dynamic as it, well. It, it it brings that. The, it brings the uh, sort of that that Marvel Cinematic Universe excitement into the comic. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, this this feels very uh, like Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, even the way that they revealed um, um, Hela is the same way they revealed uh, Thanos in the post credit scenes and in, in the and um, like what movie did they reveal him in the first time? Was wait was what? Who Thanos in the movies? Which was what was the first movie in which we saw him post credit scene? It, was it Thor Ragnarok? Maybe. Yeah, I think it was Ragnarok. No, no, not Ragnarok. Infinity. No, no, no. Way before that, it was Thor. Um, the second Thor. The uh, oh yeah yeah. yeah. 
uh dark world dark world i think that was the first time we we, we saw him be revealed in uh in a post credit scene it, it was very very done in a very similar way hmm. and and i'm not sure if that's a callback to the movies or not but it could be yeah because even the setting is it's almost exactly the same <laughs> <laughs> sitting on a chair like that and and all that stuff also where the, he- where the heck did hella come from <laughs> <laughs> like it just it feels random but also makes sense at the same time i don't know <laughs> it's 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 uh it's it's uh, it's a strange one but i i i, I trust donny kate's a lot yeah, yeah so i'm gonna make sure. i'm i'm for certain this is this is all gonna be it's all gonna make sense and it's all gonna be um written very well yeah. All right, so let's wrap up talks on Guardians of the Galaxy. Let's move on to the final book. And that's also a brand new number one came coming out of Image Comics, and it is Oliver Number One, written by Gary Whitta, art by Derek Robertson, colors by Diego Rodriguez, and letters by Simon Boland. This was an interesting issue. Yeah. Uh, and a very interesting take on Oliver Twist. Um, I like the I like the the world that they're setting up. It's a very interesting twist. Uh, why? <clears throat> why you gotta Why you gotta do this, man? <laughs> um, I just wish a, a a bit more information was given to us in in this particular issue. Um, because they they really gave like a really sort of like blanket overview mm-hmm. of of the of the world. Yeah. Cuz they obviously are trying to paint us as much of a a vivid picture as possible. Uh but I would have really liked to know more about Oliver and what makes him so different aside from the fact that he was he's not a clone. That he's that he's born naturally. Mm-hmm. Um like there's heavy, heavy hints in this issue that he has some sort of powers. Yeah. Right? Heavy, heavy hints. Um, other than the, the the amazing physical feats that he was able to do in this issue, it's also nothing that's super, super out of the ordinary. Like, he could have just been, like, a really athletic kid. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, but there's hints, of course, that he has superpowers. And, and I want to know why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like is is his like who's his father? Like is his father from like another world? Like what does this mean? Right, there's a lot of questions, but it's shaping up to be a, a good story. Mm-hmm. What what's interesting to me is right from the get go, you can you can tell sort of the the setting of the story, right? And you can see the setting right away and how it's going and what type of world that. Gary Wood is trying to build. Yeah. Right. And I think it's done in a really, it's done in a really scenic way. Mm-hmm. Like it really paints a picture for you. Um, the way that, the way that it's written at the start as well, I think is really well done. Sort of that, that subtle repetitiveness. Yeah. Right. To sort of slowly, slowly add to the world using that repetitive sort of way of writing. Mm-hmm. I think for me, adds to just sort of how how they consistent consistently give us layers of information yeah um 
when they get to the part where she ultimately collapses, uh, where the mother collapses, mm-hmm. and and gives birth to Oliver, and you know there, you see all these men looking the same. Yeah, and right away you already have question. Yeah, uh, and then right away you also see like she just she just dies on the spot. Yeah, right because they just they can't handle it, but you don't know why. So. I actually think they gave us a lot more information in this first issue than I would have thought they would have. Yeah. Um, because they, they already gave us this idea, like, they already gave us inf- information about who these guys are, yeah. about why they were created that way, why they, would, why they were in that area to begin with, yeah. right? And how they're able to survive this area and other people outside cannot, Yeah. right? Now... If we're looking at this not so much in a supernatural way, but we're looking at this in a somewhat futuristic way, mm-hmm. because they've come up with technology that we're not able to fathom yet, but that's something we're chasing in the real world, yeah. right? It's to to achieve cloning, right? So if they ultimately, if if this is a story where it's talking about the idea that that technology now exists, mm-hmm. and this is what becomes of it. It's if we're not talking about the supernatural, the the one one thing that I think is going to happen is you're going to find out that Oliver is in fact related to one of the clones, right? And perhaps the clones are able to mate, mm. right? Um, even though they're factory made, maybe someone has found a way so that they can also reproduce, right? Right. Um, and if that's sort of where we end up with the story, I think that'll be interesting because it now talks about this idea that us as humans are always attempting to fabricate life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, what what happens when the fabricated life gains enough knowledge or or gains enough know how to then replicate that themselves, right? Right. And if that's the case, and maybe someone got out of camp and tried to leave this place behind and mm-hmm. got out of camp mm-hmm. and then ended up being with somebody and then realized that they that person can't survive in the other side because they are too used to this environment, yeah. maybe that's why the mother came all the way back here yeah. so that this kid can live. So I think the kid does belong to this area, which one leads me to believe the kid, um, Oliver, is directly related to someone who's coming out of that camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of questions for sure. Yeah, but uh, more answers in this issue than I anticipated getting. Yeah, I mean, for me as a reader, like, I, I mean, me in particular, I like to have like particular questions answered mm-hmm. because I want to be captured right away. And this is one of those issues where where I want to be captured right away, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, not to say that I'm gonna forget about this story just because it didn't have one question answered or anything right um but you know i always have sort of like a checklist of questions that that i i want to be answered before i go yeah okay i'm gonna continue reading this right uh but if it's gonna have to span over two issues that's fine too yeah yeah, you you know what i mean um but yeah i mean there's there's a lot going on that i wish that uh I could sort of piece together a little bit better in my head. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but so far, I, I do like the world that that's being built here. Um, somehow they found this technology. Like obviously, the, the setting is like a nineteen forties, like post World War Two sort of setting. Yeah, and they somehow figured out that technology in the in the <laughs> in the early or the late thirties. Yeah, it, it reminds me of kind of like um, kind of like Wolfenstein. Yeah, type yeah. of alternate history. Yeah, yeah. Type situation. What if right? this is Wolfenstein, bro? <laughs> what, what if that's that's him? Yeah, that's his name oh, is Oliver Wolfenstein. Oliver Wolfenstein. <laughs> that's it. He is the one. <laughs> uh, I I think a lot of these alternate history takes I really enjoy because it allows us to to view it as a what if. Yeah. It, and that and it's and it's a what if of something that could very potentially happen. Yeah, it give it's a story that that derives from something that we most of us have a, a pretty good general knowledge of. Mm-hmm. So we have a, we have a lot to pull from as readers to sort of fill in the fill in the gaps in in the story, right? Mm-hmm. Like of course you you read it, you see the visuals, you have references to uh, to go off of. Right, yeah. so you almost can sort of create this world yourself as well, based on the references that you make, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's part of what I really enjoy about this story is that it's still somewhat relatable in a way. Yeah, right. Um, it's it's derived from from history that we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, therefore, it's not a story that's so completely out there um that we have to um that we have to like read multiple issues before we understand the environment yeah right? we understand the environment right away here and, and maybe that's why they they held off on certain information because a lot of the stuff we we can generally uh you can self-derive deduce yeah. yourself yeah exactly, right yeah. so uh and and that's what i really like about this so far yeah and that's I I do enjoy stories that sort of that that tries to stay away from supernatural. Yeah. Because it it does it does open up parts of your imagination that are still rooted to reality. Mm-hmm. When it goes towards supernatural, then it just becomes like, oh, okay. So then I guess I won't even try to imagine it. Let's just wait until you tell me what's happening. Cold spots. Cold spots. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, with that being said, like I, I think the you know, again, the artwork on this is so spot on, and I think it really gives you a good, good vibe of that environment. It gives a good vibe of that time period as well, sort of that like World War One, World War Two. I'm guessing closer to World War One. Um, I think it's closer to World War Two. You think so? Yeah. Just, just. The, I was uh, never a huge history buff. Neither, neither am I. But let's say it's in the middle. Their, their weapons look. And there was one panel with that showed. Uh, the kind of weapons they were holding when when they were talking when he was oh, telling Oliver right. about the war. You're right. I have forgotten uh, about that. And they, it looks more like World War Two weapons. Oh, and especially with the type of jets. Well, yeah, there's that too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's say this pieces are at the World War Two era. Yeah, like like Which, mid mid forties, you know, uh, early like early fifties type of deal. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's uh. It, it it's it's a good art style for it, I think. And yeah. I think the 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 inking on it is really well done. The coloring is really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, just great book. 
I think. Oh, yeah. And uh, I remember that um, the preview that we saw when we first previewed this book a couple months back, and it was part of that uh, our bonus preview episode. <laughs> yep. And we saw the panels, but I think it was without words. I think it was just pictures. Mm-hmm. And it was when he was running down the alleyway, running away from the one guy. And we thought he was running away from a bad guy. Yeah. Turns out he was just running away from other dudes. Because he stole the, something from him. Because <laughs> he stole something like, from what him. A, what a punk kid. <laughs> but you would expect kids. Like, I mean, it, it's a very... It's very much what a kid during his time would do. If that makes sense. Right? Like, you see that as a, as a common trope, right? Like, a kid in, like... The early to mid 1900s you know being like a petty thief or whatever yeah and like that that very much plays into sort of that archetype of character like it's not a bad kid but i mean when you're a kid and you got nothing else to do <laughs> right like that you're gonna end up doing stuff like that right it's not like a rich kid right yes yeah. also what what really um I, I just caught this now actually and that actually makes a lot of sense uh, they they said that when they were cloned, they age quicker, right? Uh, let me see if I can uh, uh, find that uh, that panel. I literally just custom made for combat. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they had to have been aged quickly because they just yeah. grow in fact. Yeah, because right? they were mass produced and yeah. yeah. From where they said. From where they were having the meeting after the, the, the mother gave birth, and then they had the meeting, mm-hmm. and then they decided to name the kid, yeah. and they named him Oliver, mm-hmm. the next panel says it's just three years later. Yeah, There's so he... There's no way he's three years old. Yeah, he's way older than that. Yeah. He, he looks like a nine-year-old kid. Yeah. So, like, he's... So, there's at- accelerated aging as well, which kind of... Leads me to believe, like, my theory about him being related to one of these guys. Right, right. Makes sense. Either that or he's really just a supernatural kid. Yeah. There's still that that direction is still open. Or just a really big three-year-old. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I don't see that being the route that they're going. So, so actually, with with that, I was like, oh, actually, I just caught that now. So, interesting. Yeah, very Interesting interesting, very interesting. All right. So, anything else you want to add to Oliver number one? Uh, nope. Other than that one panel where he kind of looks like Quicksilver. He does. Yeah. Uh, where he's um, uh, where uh, he gets taken to uh, to see the Ferris wheel. Yeah. The the big the big panel before that, where he's got the goggles on his head, kind of looks like Quicksilver from. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. I see it from the. Uh, Fox movies. <laughs> <laughs> Those movies. Those movies. Those movies. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> why don't we go ahead and wrap up talk on Oliver number one and wrap up talk on comics and let's go ahead and talk about the coffee we've been having that we, you know, been sipping away at throughout the segment. What do you think? I really enjoy it. I really enjoy it. It's it's very unique. It's very different. Yeah. Other than when we when we were sort of, when we smelled the beans earlier too, it was like really. It's unique. It's unique. I think it's got. Uh, uh, I'm. I'm gonna say walnut for sure. Mm-hmm. That's the impression that I get. But there's something there. Like it's. Like, I. I don't know, man. Like it's hard. This. Yep. Yeah. 
Like some sort of like almond or nut butter. Like, I don't know. Just more and more nut? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm getting here. There's a fruit, but I can't pin it. I can't um, pin it down. I was just going to say the same thing. Like, I'm thinking maybe like a... Uh, like a... Cranberry? Mm. No, I'm not. No. No, because now that I'm imagining cranberries... I I want to say I want to say like um like a fruit that has um like a stony fruit you know sort of like a peach or an apricot something along those lines like I'm getting I get the sense of like a like a marmalade fruit oh okay all right uh, I I may go with apricot on this one okay I'm gonna say walnut apricot and. Uh, that's really that's that's all I'm but it's good. Yeah, it's really good. It's good. It's just it's just this one's a little difficult to discern. Marzipan? Marzipan. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, cuz it's it's hard to it's hard to explain the flavor of marzipan. Yeah. But that's what it reminds me of. I think this is one of those ones where we just got to see. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's, see, let's see what we got. Okay. Uh, stone fruit? Oh. Oh. <laughs> stone fruit. Yes. Uh, blackberry and lime. Oh. Maybe like I uh, feel maybe the like lime. maybe like a lime peel. I'm, I feel I'm lime. thinking getting lime like a lime peel. I don't know about yeah. the lime actual like like meat of the lime itself yeah because usually that's just me and cringe face and just yeah and stone just like, fruit though whoa that's a, I, I got that one <laughs> <laughs> like dead on wow because yeah, i literally said stone fruit yeah you said stone fruit, yeah. <laughs> wow but blackberry maybe mm. i don't have blackberries i'm not getting the black i'm not getting the blackberry at all to be nope. honest not the lime all. i can feel the lime is yeah like there. like the like and that might be where that that walnutty taste come from, could because lime peel in itself is it's way earthier than obviously the fruit, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the, the meat of the fruit. So I, I can definitely see that. I knew I know that there was a bit of that like, like a sweeter sour note, but I thought that was attributed to the stone fruit. Yeah, right. Uh, but hey, not bad. Nice. I'm, I'm kind of liking this coffee actually. Yeah, yeah I might, it's really uh, nice. I might uh, I might brew some more for myself before I get out of here. All right, yeah, 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 yeah for but, sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Kaido Coffee, you gotta, you gotta get more of your stuff out here. That's, I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> um, all right, let's go ahead and wrap up the comic segment, and let's uh, let's go ahead and hit up our boardroom, and let's see what's in store for us for the Humble Heroes Agency. To the elevator. The what? The elevator. Oh. <laughs> what do you think I said? I, I don't know. <laughs> I thought you said something different. My goodness. The elevator. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Ding. And we've arrived at the boardroom for our Humble Heroes Agency segment. So, Victor, what do we got this week? Who do we have lined up? This week, we have a, 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 
a fantastic, bigly fantastic superhero named Chubbs. Okay. Our boy Chubbs. Chubbs, Chubbs. real name John Darren, is a 20-year-old superhero. Also a member, I guess a former member now, of the Bronze Vigilantes. History. John Darren was born with an odd power to inflate himself. Throughout his childhood and his teenage years, he flew around like a balloon and ate a lot. Okay. Okay. Soon after, that's all he did, eh? Soon after, (laughs) he joined a low-level superhero group known as the Bronze Vigilantes. Okay. Power and abilities. Enhanced durability. Inflation. (laughs) Enhanced breath. Absorb slash inhale. Chubbs can suck in any type of gas or air into his body and blow it back out or just simply absorb it. But how does that benefit him? Uh, like a Kirby way? I, I guess. But like, do you like absorb it and then like inherit the powers of like helium? Like, Because <laughs> that would be cool. That would be cool, but it's not explicitly stated. Because then you inherit the ability to fly. Exactly. Well, he, he could float before. Oh, that's true. Okay. Right. Uh Bubble manipulation. Bubble trap. Chubbs emits a bubble which can trap an opponent. Hmm. Very interesting. Personality. Chubbs, despite being a weaker and frowned upon hero by others, well, that's not very nice, is actually quite courageous and brave. He is willing to fight anybody out of his league, even if he knows he will be beat. He usually has a light look at, uh, at things, even in dire situations. So he he's a positive guy, right? Chubbs is is <laughs> Chubbs is a very positive. I mean, maybe we'll have to change his name. I'm not a fan of calling him Chubbs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we we got we got Mechano, we got Clenched Jaw, we got Big Hev, and then we got Chubbs. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to do something about that name. Something, some sort of code name. Some sort of good code name, but I mean, hey, you know, if if he wants to be called, I Chubbs, mean, if he's if that's if that's a name that he came up with, that he's really in and and like really attached to, then for sure, then for sure, he's, we'll stick with Chubbs. <laughs> so I I mean, overall though, I I like his character. I like what he represents. I and I I really and like the fact that he's willing to fight for justice. No matter what the situation is, I, I feel like this is one of those situations where there was a hero created um, by Bendis, I believe, um, right during that uh, X Men Revolution time with Cyclops and everything, and um, there was a character called Gold Balls. Okay, <laughs> where he literally shoots out gold balls. Sounds like our from, kind of guy. Like from his body, just he just expels gold balls sounds like our kind of guy and um or like you, you know in my hero oh you know, uh <laughs> yeah 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 grape juice yeah. Or whatever it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like that type of character where like they do just do something odd and just something something crazy something odd but it helps but they probably just haven't discovered what they can do with it yet yeah for something like this like he can easily go he can easily go into a, bur- a burning building, inhale all the oxygen, and put out the fire. But then what about the people that are inside? Tell them to hold their breath for a second. Just 
So hey, hold your breath for a second. Let me just get rid of the smoke. Let me get rid of this fire. I mean, yeah, oxygen deprivation for the fire guy could work. Yeah. But, I mean, how long are the people going to have to hold their breath for? I don't know, man. For as long as he's inhaling. There's literally no oxygen in that environment now. I don't think you're thinking far ahead on this, man. Yeah, I don't think I am. But, uh, <laughs> you know, hey, it's when when there's dire situations, sometimes you just got to think on your feet, you know? I guess so. If you start watching people pass out, maybe he exhales and think of a different plan. Sometimes, <laughs> that, sometimes that's just what needs to happen. You maybe. Know? Maybe. But, uh, but you know what, Chubbs? I like this guy. I like uh, what he stands for. I like what he stands for. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and give him a pass on this one. Oh, for man. sure. So so, Chubbs, man. Uh, you, you can know. always use you can always use more positivity. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. He's sort of like the uh, he'll be like the flash of the group, but less useful. Uh, <laughs> so Chubbs, you know, you know, we want to have you on board. You'll get your uh, union card in the mail uh, within uh, two to three weeks. <laughs> because this is a unionized. <laughs> yeah, this, is, this is a unionized agency. You know, we we want fair pay and fair treatment and fair work for yeah, uh, fair all compensation. Of our, that's it, man. That's yeah, it. That's, you, that's what we believe. That's in. what unions are supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, I think that basically concludes our humble heroes agency segment. Uh, good recruit. Good recruit. You know, if sort of like a morale boost, if anything, <laughs> to our team. Um, okay, so why don't we go ahead and get on the cosmic treadmill and let's quickly see what uh, what next week's got for us. Yeah. Next week. Very light week. We only got two books on the docket. It's uh, Heroes in Crisis number five and Captain America number seven. Very light week. So maybe we'll take that time to maybe... We can even talk about other things. Like, if you want, we can talk about... Well, we can even just throw talking. some surprise books on there, too. Maybe, yeah. Or, like, maybe a graphic novel that we've been thinking about reading. Maybe we'll read that. Throw that on there. Who knows? Maybe we'll talk some more Dragon Ball. There's Who a lot knows? Of, oh, maybe. Maybe we'll do, like, a review segment. All right, all like right, all right. Okay, segment. all right. All things Take it easy. Talk about. We're not trying to kill people here. Relax. Wow. Just trying to talk about some Dragon Ball here, man. Yeah, we do, we do enough of that outside of the <laughs> podcast. So. Yeah, you're right. You're right. All right, so... That pretty much concludes. Uh, that pretty much concludes this episode. So we thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, remember, if you like what we do on this podcast, please hit that subscribe button on the podcast service provider of your choice. We can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, and amongst all these other podcast service providers. So, uh, whichever one you're on, please remember to rate, leave us a review if you have some time. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about the show, about what we've talked about, or if you got a book or a title you wanted to discuss on the show, send us an email at contact at darkrosecomics.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at twitter.com slash darkrosecomics, where you can find myself at twitter.com slash jerrythebear52, where you can find my co-host Victor at twitter.com slash victorjyoung. You can also find us on Instagram at instagram.com slash darkrosecomics, and we also have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash darkrosecomics. And if you want to be a part of the community, you can join our Facebook group at Dark Rose Comics Group. And as always, bye. (laughs) (laughs) And as always, okay, bye. (laughs) Take care. See you next week.